It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ears Up Podcast. We're here in a beautiful Oakley Day talk to you about the history of the Jungle Cruise. And this is a lot of people's favorite ride. A lot of people's favorite ride. And uh, I never really realized how many people out there were wrong. jeez. Oh, <laughs> I just had no idea. But I'm glad you people exist to let me know how right I am. Well, maybe after today you'll enjoy it a little more. I hope so. I hope so. That's what usually happens to me. Like with yeah. the shows, when we do stuff about rides I normally don't like, at the end of the history show, I'm like, ah! I might give it another chance. At least you can appreciate it differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. I, that's I guess, true. You know, it just made me think we should probably do the history of Autopia. No, we Bro. shouldn't. I mean, we're going to have to at some point. No. Noses. <laughs> no, nose goes. <laughs> I'm not, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for it. I don't care. <laughs> Why not? Look, we got to do it anyway. We're, we're running out of history shows. We've done that's so true. many of them. That's true. That's true. Uh, this episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at GetawayToday.com, Disney's top wholesale partner. They'll help you plan your Disney vacation with the best tips and secrets, all while making it affordable with their discounted tickets, reduced hotel rates, and layaway plan. Head online to GetawayToday.com slash EarsUp and start planning your magical vacation. Don't forget to mention EarsUp Podcast sent you and use promo code EarsUp to save extra 10 bucks on your SoCal vacation package. You know, they emailed me the other day and uh, told me that there were actually people... Not only going to the URL, but actually purchasing things. Fantastic. Nice. So That's I'm awesome. like, oh. Wipe the sweat <laughs> off my brow on that one, man. I was uncertain. That was good, um, man. That was good stuff. I'm stoked about it. I, so anyway, to anybody who's uh, who's checked it out or purchased from them, thank you very much. It yeah. definitely goes a long way in keeping them around. And uh, hey, you get something out of it, too. And that, I think that's great. You get discounted uh, tickets and reduced hotel rates. I mean, I think I feel like that is the testament is like you never know if something's going to work. I listen to a lot of podcasts and you hear all all the same Squarespace and take ten dollars off your Casper mattress. No, it's all it's kind of all the same people for like the major podcasts. And so it I don't know. I just think your product will sell itself. You know, like this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to call them a product, but like that. I don't know. Their service is really good yeah man i'll tell you what though if, if you hear like uh, casper or or uh, stamps.com um yeah. not to be plugging other but you know you all know about um those are podcasts they get like three million downloads and yeah. it's just a service and they sign up for the service and they have these mid rolls and ad rolls and all kind of stuff um so I hope we can get to that point where I can start telling you about the joys of purchasing a, sure. a mattress on the internet. I will do that for sure. I really, I really want to get to that point. I will I'm, need one uh, just to test out. So if we could write that into our contract, yeah. that would be great. I'm pretty sure we're like next. We're, we're like the next NPR. Yeah, we're pretty close. sure. Maybe. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, you can find us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, apparently. We're on Pinterest uh, still. Speaking of Pinterest, <clears throat> I was talking to Bev about... Uh, actually, I wasn't talking to Bev about anything. She was telling me about a new a new pin, a new board, a, a board, pin board? It's a board. A board on uh, Pinterest. Well, here, Bev, why don't you tell everybody what your new pin board is? I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but no. it's 
called Gross Food at Disneyland. Gross Food at Disneyland. <laughs> um, and there's a few. There's several. There's like, eight or nine Full on disclosure, there. I try not to be... Um, like me about it? No. Well, uh, that's about all aspects of life. But yeah, no, I try not to... Like, I don't particularly like crab or lobster. So, But I didn't put things on there that are lobster just because I don't like them. Like, I'm just going... Sure. I'm all about food experiments. Uh-huh. Some of these just look absolutely foul. <laughs> what are some of the ones, though? I want to know... What was one of the ones that we were talking about earlier that she thought was foul that we were like, yeah, it might be all right? Oh, it was the... Um, I don't think... I don't know it's if she the put... the last one I pinned. Oh, there we go. Um... Really have to log in? I no. hate Pinterest so much. <laughs> but go re- visit our Pinterest. Here, yeah, yeah. I hate Pinterest, <laughs> but if you love it, then go. Then right. It's the uh, habanero meatball cone from the Cozy Cone Motel. Dude, that sounds bomb. That sounds yeah, it doesn't so sound good. that bad. Why is it served in a cone? Because I mean, I get it's the, the cozy, cozy cone. cone. But, but it's also it's a pretzel on. cone. Yeah. What's wrong with that? It sounds really so good. So you get like three meatballs and then all that space underneath yeah. for, I don't know. I, I mean, it sounds fine. I would just eat a habanero meatball sandwich or something like that. I don't need to be in a cone. I would ask for the little cheesy sauce on the side, and that's what you do with the extra cone, that extra space at the bottom. Do you Whoa. get cheesy sauce with it, though? No, but I would ask. It's okay. Disneyland. They can't tell you no. <laughs> Sure they can. Can they? Well, can I, I light can, your hair on fire? They can, but no. <laughs> I hate it when they do. Oh, there's a bunch. There's cheese and marinara sauce, so you have oh. plenty of stuff to fill Jeez. the space. There and then you if go. you, if they make the cone, um, if it was like a corn chip cone, and it'd be like eating it with Fritos. Oh, Fritos. 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 <laughs> but it also has funnel cake fries on here, which look like pretzel sticks with funfetti and colored bacon. It just looks terrible. What are the? What is that cereal? The multicolored cereal? Um, Fruit Loops? No. Uh, Pebble, Fruity Pebbles. Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, there's Fruity Pebbles sprinkled on them. Mm. Dole Whip Cotton Candy looks gross. <laughs> the Dole Whip Cotton Candy sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, so I think she's also going to make a, um, like a, a Cool Foods thing. I am. Um, you know, the pineapple churro also made the list. <laughs> Let's not leave that out. I don't understand why people want to mess with nature's perfect food. Cinnamon, bro. That's all you need, right? Yeah. <laughs> pineapple. Right. Get out of here. And of course, there's people go. Oh, no, it's amazing. You don't understand. Well, and then it's not amazing. It can't be amazing. There's nothing. Nothing about fake pineapple flavoring. And uh, and and warm bread it's sounds amazing, organic. but no, no. But there's also there's <laughs> coconut dipping sauce, which makes it even better. Uh, one of the other things I just added today yeah. was uh, just a Dole Whip, but there was tahini sprinkled all over it. Oh my god! It should have just been the Dole Whip by itself. <laughs> yeah, that should be up there too. Uh, you can uh, send feedback on anything. It doesn't even have to be related to the show. Just you don't like your interest rate. <laughs> Taryn at earsuphavenpodcast dot com. You can send show <laughs> suggestions and guest suggestions to Terrence. You can say hi, hi. to Bev and anything else comes to me. All uh, Jason at earsuphavenpodcast dot com. If you want to support the show, you can do it. Uh, go to getcoveyears.com. We've got some new covers up there for you. You can go to patreon.com slash ears up. Sign up to be a recurring donor, a uh, Patreon supporter, and you get some stuff from it, too, in addition to just the show. But the main way uh, is to tell your friends about us. Jump on the forums. Spread the word about Ears Up Podcast. We are growing, and that's cool. But, uh, you know, come on. Let's go. Come on. Do your job. Let's, let's do this. Let's go. I don't know. <clears throat> If you do any kind of internet shopping, uh, which I don't even know what the internet is anymore, you can use our Amazon link on the homepage. I know uh, Prime Day is pr- coming. I don't know. Um, 
Use our Amazon link, please. It'd be great. And also, do you go to Disneyland all the time? Are you an expert at what's current? And I've always wanted to give your opinion on things. We're looking for someone like you to talk to us about what's new and hip and all the kids are into. Email me, Jason, ears at pinepodcast.com, and we can chat a little bit about that. Um, I, you know, I'd like basically really what that comes from is uh, I'd like to get somebody who goes to the parks a lot to mm-hmm. write a blog every now and then or, uh, you know, come on and do a segment about new foods or new, yeah. new beer, something fresh because we don't go all the time. Try everything on the gross food list. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that would be cool. Uh, it's, you know, there's no pay. Not yet. But, you're, you know. You're supposed to say that after you guys connect oh. on the, via email. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. Uh, you want to talk about why my kid sucks real fast? I would. Bro. Do you want to? Yes. <sighs> so I'm a stay-at-home dad <clears throat> with, like, five jobs. <laughs> so it's hard to, like. Five jobs, uh, man. <laughs> uh, it's hard to get anything done because the kid is the kid is a pain in the butt. Uh, a kid's fine usually, but uh, Taryn went back to work last week full time, and uh, and I I didn't. I'm still at home doing the things I'm always doing, except now I have a kid to deal with, and um, she's kind of been she's kind of been fussy. I know uh, I know uh, Sean Sullivan's listening to the show, going I hate that word fussy, uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry Sean, uh, she's fussy. And um, I put her to sleep. Today was weird. Like, I put her to sleep, and she kind of falls asleep sort of fine, but then sleeps for like 45 minutes. I'm like, bro, you're not you, – you're, you're, you're killing me. Let's go. Um, and then she uh, – we played or whatever, and then she went back to sleep, and then she slept for like 45 minutes. Like, this is not happening. You have another 45 minutes minimum. To take a nap. This is not gonna. This is not gonna work. I have a lot of stuff to do. I have to prep for the show. I have my other jobs to do. Um, basically, you're infringing on my time. Four month old <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> baby that I had. Yeah. Trust me, I'm still debating whether or not I actually did. Oh, no, because I because I don't know because I forgot. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. Um, and um, so I'm sitting there putting her back to sleep. I'm trying to put her back to sleep, and she'll fall asleep in my arms, and that's fine after a while. But I put her down, and like five, eight seconds later, eyes uh-huh. just like the forced, you just know, like boom. like they're glued shut, and she's like trying to force them open by sheer willpower, and she does because <laughs> they are glued. I try to glue, I try to glue them shut. <laughs> oh my god, well, that's your problem. You failed. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so you know who does that? Every kid time. ever. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, dude, I, I do that I, personally. I I've been there, bro. Aaron is putting you to sleep. Yeah. 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 You down. You... Jason, go to bed. I'm like, change me first. <laughs> I want to play video games. No. Oh, that is the worst. Hold me. So, so uh, this lasts for about 15 minutes, just back and forth. I probably do it like four times, and I'm getting thoroughly frustrated because my my part of my problem, well, uh, part of many problems is uh, I just I think there's a solution for everything and there's a reason for everything and I'm trying to really realize that there's no solution for children they just they just are um, so I'm, I'm like at my wits end I'm just I'm struggling I'm just putting her to sleep probably giving a brain damage from patting her on the butt too hard and um, I put her in the crib pop that thing out no actually the, I'm sorry the pacifier was still in she starts kind of fussing and mm-hmm. eh, I'm like okay all right, I'm just going to pull her out. I'm going to focus. I'm, I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that she's not going back down for a nap. <clears throat> so I pick her up. 
she turns her head and looks up at me, makes eye contact for like the first time because she doesn't make eye contact. She's everywhere. Her eyes are squirrely, man. And she just pops the pacifier out with her tongue, just like an audible, <laughs> and looks at me. And I swear to God, <laughs> I swear to God, she smirked before she yawned. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. I, I literally went, no, you didn't. No, you did not just yawn at me. Okay, here we go. And it like reinvigorated my oh. drive to get her back to sleep. I'm like, how, how dare you? I literally told her, I said, how dare you? <laughs> Not stay asleep, and then you have the gall, the audacity to yawn at me. I'm literally telling my daughter this, wow. and she's going, eh, smiling. No, drive that thing back in. Ultimately, she won, but she didn't get back to sleep. But I'm just like, dude, this is not cool. How do you? How do you? How are you going to do that to your dad, man? Okay. I'm not wow, going to sleep. Man. Oh, you know who's tired? Oh, this one. Oh, but what no. are we doing today? <laughs> not yet. I love it. Sorry, bro. Everything about that story. The only Sorry. thing that would have made it better to me is if she had somehow vomited on you. Yeah. Oh, she did, but that was at a later time. And then yesterday, she diarrheaed everywhere, all over me, and I had to clean half the couch, and it was just. <laughs> It's it's been a long forty eight hours for your boy, but Sorry, man. Hey, we're, we're getting through it. On that note, um, I'd like to say congratulations to Melissa and Russ. <gasps> Did they have their they kid? had their baby, oh. little Aiden Charles? I was trying to talk them into Aiden Conrad, but Aiden, Aiden Charles will work. Oh. Yeah, so congratulations. I've been waiting. I'm to glad see you approve. Like, <laughs> Did you see it on Instagram or something? I saw it on Facebook. Yeah, oh, I've been waiting to see like. Because I knew it was coming because she posted a picture of her belly and I was like, I know that size. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Aiden's I'm cool, but Jason's a better name. Jason's a much stronger name. Terrence so it's not too late. Strong it's name, not too dude. late to change it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, congratulations. Yeah. That's really great. Um, let's do. And also, they heard their future before we congratulated them. That is what happens oh. with every parent. They heard their future? Yeah, what they're going to have to go through with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Victoria in the chat said that uh, you should add that to the dad rap. Oh, my God. I should. <laughs> yeah, I should. I absolutely should. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it, it, being a stay-at-home parent is weird. So if you were a kid, if you were a kid who didn't go to sleep or whatever, you call your parents and you apologize because <laughs> that is tough. Yeah. That is tough to deal with. I'm trying to get uh, our first guest on the line, but he's not uh, answering his phone, and that bothers me. Hmm. It's Jeremy. We're supposed to have Spectro time right now, so wow. let's put that off because I don't know what Jeremy's doing, probably grabbing another box of wine from his basement. Hmm. Oh, wait, uh, he's here now. Hold on. I hate Jeremy. I hate everybody today. <laughs> They're so mean. It's one of those. Di- you're next. We should all just. What did I do? I can just tell you, you're not going to win any fans by hating Jeremy. I'm, exactly. I think I'm going to be fussy the entire show from now on. <laughs> you're going to be fussy the entire show? I'll read you 51 I more. I heard that. Uh, here, hold on. First, let's just do this real fast. We unravel the magic behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro time. It's magic night. I'm not rocking with you. I'm not waving with you guys. I'm not swaying. I'm not doing it. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. How you doing, buddy? I'm all right. I'm trying to get the image of changing you out of my head still. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. Yeah, that was gross, huh? So I guess you don't want the YouTube video. It does video. conjure a pretty picture. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, I feel offended. Um, you know, I'm trying to work out and eat better, but it's not working. Oh. All right. Well, keep trying. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what are we going to talk about today, my friend? We're talking about great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Oh. I'm glad you picked this one, honestly, yeah. because uh, it's not one that I would have ever gone, you know what I need to hear about. <laughs> uh, but um, I love that attraction. I think it's really cool. It's a little over the top for me, but uh, so is Disneyland in general. We'll just wait until they put in the uh, Vampire Slayer overlay. It's going to be even better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm licensing that idea, uh, so just watch out. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, well, go yeah. ahead. Let's talk over about the, over the top is too much for you. Like, I think you're going to the wrong place if you're looking for subtlety. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. But uh, over the top, like patriotism um, is it's just it's, it's right there. What is Taron? Over the top. You know, oh, the top? The oh, oh, trust me. I've seen over the top. That's Sylvester Stallone's best movie. In oh, years. movies. Am- You've never seen that? I'm the, so the arm wrestling movie over the top. He There's literally an arm wrestling movie. Yes. He's arm wrestling for the custody of his child. Yes. No, That's... he's arm wrestling for the money to the prove custody. that he can yes. take care of his child as a truck driver. Did he write yeah. it? I hope so. I, I he don't wrote Rocky, think he did. and I could kind of see that as being like his like. Maybe I am a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> I have this idea. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, let's talk about history of the Mr. Lincoln attraction, please. Okay, that's fine, but we have to go back for two seconds because when I dialed in, I heard hate Jeremy. And I need to we have to get to the bottom of that before we go any further. What I said was I could never and then you came on. Uh, okay. I don't buy that. Mm. It's a web of lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is on YouTube. I can go back and watch. Yeah. Fine, please, fine, Petros. I'll take it. All right, go for it. It was said that Walt Disney always had one foot planted in the future, but also one foot planted in the past. This was evident in his creation of Disneyland, with its lands devoted to both tomorrow and the frontiers of our country. In fact, as early as 1956, plans existed to create an area off Town Square called Liberty Street, which would be devoted to celebrating the history and founding principles of the United States without too much over-the-top patriotism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. My, My name's Jeremy. (laughs) <laughs> I love you, man. I love wow. you, Jeremy. I'm this sorry. This is my twentieth and possibly my final. No, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Get out of town with that nonsense. No, only because I can't think of any more ideas. Okay. Uh, the centerpiece to this land would be an attraction called One Nation Under God, and would have as its finale a Hall of Presidents showcasing each of America's presidents with a distinct focus on its sixteenth chief executive, Abraham Lincoln. As the early 1960s approached, however, Walt's creative attention was increasingly focusing on the upcoming 1964 World's Fair to be held in the greatest city in America, New York. When all was said and done, Walt would be crea- the creative force behind four World's Fair attractions, including It's a Small World and the Carousel of Progress. Robert Moses, the controversial figure behind much of the urban planning of New York City in the middle of the 20th century, was serving as president of the World's Fair when he met with Walt. And on one occasion, Walt showed Moses his Hall of Presidents mock-up and their prototype Mr. Lincoln audio animatronic. Robert Moses was so impressed, he declared he would not open the World's Fair without it. Take a listen to Walt Disney speaking about their efforts to bring Abraham Lincoln to life. Number one. We wanted to bring to the people of today 
the inspiring words of the man who held this nation together during its moment of greatest crisis, the Civil War. During our exhaustive research into Lincoln's life, we studied his mannerisms, his gestures, and even his voice characteristics to create a faithful likeness of this honored man. The final result is so lifelike that you might find it hard to believe. While Walt's Imagineers toiled away at perfecting the complicated Lincoln figure, Walt sought the vocal talents of Royal Dano to portray Lincoln's voice in the attraction. Dano was known to Disney audiences from his recent work in Disney's sequel to Old Yeller, Savage Sam, and had also portrayed Abraham Lincoln on television in a five-part historical series entitled Mr. Lincoln. While sculptor Blaine Gibson created Lincoln's form with the help of an 1860 life mask created from Abraham Lincoln's actual face, Walt asked writer-director James Alger to write the speech Mr. Lincoln would give, because Walt suspected audiences might expect Lincoln to deliver his famous Gettysburg Address, and so he refused that notion, instead having Alger draft a new oration derived from five different speeches Lincoln gave spanning 26 years of his life. Take a listen to some of Royal Dano's recording sessions as he portrays Mr. Lincoln here. Number two. Let us strive to deserve, as far as mortals may, the continued care of divine providence, trusting that in future national emergencies... He will not fail to provide us the instruments of safety and security. Let us have faith that right makes might. And in that faith, let us to the end dare to do our duty as we understand it. Better and once more please with the thought that you're completely confident of your trust in divine providence and you're very firm in your faith at the end. Shall we try once more? Take four. Take three. He sounded more like uh, like he was narrating a book called Shaky Old Whiskey Tales of the Old West. <laughs> mammy. Oh, mammy. <laughs> Poor Dano, though, if you listen. So I only gave you a really small clip of that uh, that recording track. Yeah. They cut him off, and the advice they give him over and over, they're like, a little bit more passion, knowing that you have just reunited the nation. And it's like, what? I just said... Over and over and over again, and the guy's like exasperated by the end. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Dude, voiceover work is tough, man. I I I remember hearing a recording of Shatner, uh, William Shatner doing a voiceover for something. I forget what it was, and the 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 director is like uh, trying to tell him how to do it. He's like more like, and then I went to the store, and Shatner just had it, and he was like, "Do you want to do it?" Wow. Why don't you come in here and show me how it's done? He's like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, you, you can do it. He's like, no, you clearly understand voice acting a lot better than I do. I've only been around in Hollywood for blah, blah, blah. So why don't you come out of the booth and show me how you want it done? And I'll do it exactly. The, in fact, just read the whole script and oh, <laughs> tell me. And then I will copy dang. exactly. And they kind of just went for it, man. Sorry. <clears throat> Shatner. For the soundtrack, Walt looked to the talents of Disney staff composer Buddy Baker. Buddy Baker is familiar to Disney fans for such memorable pieces as The Haunted Mansion, Portions of Carousel of Progress, America Sings, 
His arrangement of the French classical pieces and Epcot's Impressions de France, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and Tokyo Disney's journey to the center of the earth, among countless others. He's also notable for having been a professor at L.A. City College in the 1950s, where one of his students was legendary film composer Jerry Goldsmith, who you, rem- who you may remember went on to write this little number. Number three. You guys, you guys know what this is in the studio? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, very good. I only know because it says. <laughs> you didn't know that. Dude, I am the most unobservant radio host imaginable. I'm just kind of hanging out most of the time. The thing I like about this is that not only did Buddy Baker have clearly a massive impact on the parks and the the movies that Disney, you know, that Disney's responsible for, but he also as a professor had a responsibility and like an impact on molding other composers who would then go on to have their own impact on Disney. I really yeah. like that. Oh, that is so cool. I found that interesting. Yeah, good influences. In order to create the scoring needed for the attraction, Baker not only incorporated traditional Civil War pieces such as Dixie and When the Cruel War is Over, but he also adapted his own compositions, which he just happened to be creating for Disney's 1963 television movie Johnny Shiloh, which aired in two parts on NBC. His piece Soldiers of Liberty would be adapted into the stately Lincoln theme, number four. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hot in here. Well, there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel warm and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know his- Bruce Lee removed his sweat glands? What? No. Speaking of sweaty, I just learned that fact today and you reminded me of it. Is that the fact of the day? It's <laughs> <laughs> fact of the show. Thanks, yeah. Sam. Uh, go ahead, uh, Jeremy. Sorry. I'll never be able to go into great moments with Mr. Lincoln without thinking of Bruce Lee's sweat glands again. Though. Oh, God, I hope I, I hope I instilled that image on everybody listening to this. That would be amazing. <laughs> His other piece, North and South, from the movie would become Hail to the Flag, which would underscore the portion of Lincoln's speech where he predicted that no foreign military force could, quote, take a drink from the Ohio, number five. <laughs> Take a drink from the Ohio, or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer that if it ever reaches, it must spring from amongst us. He has a very Jimmy Stewart thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want the moon? <laughs> well, Mr. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> they say every time an animatronic breaks down. <laughs> um, Tinkerbell falls. My mouth's bleeding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
This would imply that you've seen more than Titanic, and that that scares me. I've seen it a lot. (laughs) It's up there. Baker was not only tasked with scoring the main show of the attraction, but also the cue and area music uh, that guests would visit before entering the show. He composed this 10-minute track for those areas using elements of his show score, number six. Thank you. You may rise slowly and exit through the right-hand side doors. <laughs> <laughs> Coral arranger Alan Davies joined forces with Baker to create the finale anthem of the show. They used an interesting technique here. They created multiple different recordings of the 32-voice choir, and some of them were individual sections of the choir, and others were the full ensemble, with the vocalists placed at varying different distances from the microphone in order to create the, or recreate the resonance of a cathedral. Nice. Number seven. Hmm. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is tramping out of it. He's where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. Bev, go ahead and sing it. Don't no. don't karaoke this thing. <laughs> Lip sync. Do it. The music was then played softly, starting with the stereo speakers in the back of the theater mm-hmm. and slowly grew in volume toward the front, giving the audience a sense that the choir was processing past them and up to the stage. Throughout the progression, additional tracks were continuously layered on until the theater was filmed with overwhelming sound for the final Amen, number eight. Ghost choir, dude. <laughs> Ghost face choir. <laughs> Great moments with Mr. Lincoln ran for two years, 1964 to 1965 at the World's Fair in the Illinois Pavilion. But in 1965, as part of Disneyland's 10-centennial anniversary, a second Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln opened in Disneyland. 
On July 17th of that year, the park's actual 10th birthday, Walt Disney dedicated the second version of the show, and this day marked the first time in history that one of Walt's attractions would be playing simultaneously on both coasts. Wow. The original, the original Mr. Lincoln figure from the World's Fair later reappeared in 1971 in the Magic Kingdom's Hall of Presidents, the final realization of Walt's original One Nation Under God show concept from the 1950s. And that is the musical history of the Hall of uh, the Hall of President, Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> Very yes. good, Jeremy. Thank I like you. That. Have you been Thank to the Hall you. of Presidents since a year the ago? New one? Yeah, the new one. I don't know how to say it. The no, edition? I haven't. You haven't gone in? No. Are you protesting it? Just curious. No, I just it's I, I rarely go in it anyway. It's okay. not. Well, it's kind of it's kind of boring. That's what I mean. It's what, yeah. it, that and in, 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 in you know Lincoln or whatever. It's kind of it, it is kind of boring. It's something you should go do once mm-hmm. every now and then. And it's there's never anybody in there. Even in the yeah. Disney World version, there was never really anybody in there. It's where you go when your feet hurt and it's really hot and you need ten minutes to just take a nap. Take a, a nap. I think it's like a twenty minute <laughs> show, isn't it? I think it feels like it feels 10 like 10 and 20 yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, it's a long. It's long. I have gone to Miss Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln more than the Hall of Presidents only mm-hmm. because I think um I, I like it. I appreciate the 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 connection that it has to Walt and mm-hmm. the history there. So I I like it just because of that. Yeah. Um I, I don't feel that as much. But now I didn't I didn't realize that Hall of Presidents was meant to be in Disneyland originally, so maybe now I will Stop by. Nice. <laughs> Give us Gracie. a review. Yeah, well, so was Liberty Liberty Square or whatever, and you mm-hmm. guys have that too. That's right. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Basically, you just have everything we didn't want. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear the rest of the show because I am a Jungle Cruise mega fan. That no, you're not. Really? Yeah, I am. I love it. Didn't know. That, that sort of Maybe surprises me and then doesn't surprise me at the very same exact time. I can like, imagine him laughing along with all the jokes. And I every joke. <laughs> like, ah, I love that one. Backside <laughs> like, of water. Feedback from me than anyone else on the thing. <laughs> nice. I'm like, yes, you did it. You did it. That is a paradox. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I love all right. it. <laughs> oh, love it. Shoot me now. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Thank you. Stay tuned. It. Goodbye. Have a great evening. Yeah, you too. <laughs> all right, Taryn. All right. Let's, history of the Jungle let's Cruise. Let's get back to this. Let's okay. go. The history of the Jungle Cruise. This punny seven-minute trip through the treacherous jungle was one of Disneyland's original rides that opened on opening day, July 17, 1955. It's one of the few original rides that is not based on a Disney animated film. We all know that Walt Disney wanted Disneyland to transport you to various places in each land. Adventureland is, of course, no different. But it did prove to be challenging to truly make people feel that they were being whisked away to a far exotic land. Yes. Uh, Part of his vision for Adventureland was to create a ride that would take people through tropical exotic forests, through mysterious regions of Asia and Africa. They would be met with exotic vegetation and wild animals. He called this ride the Jungle Cruise. So the ride was created based on two important movies of the time. Uh, Walt Disney's True Life Adventures, Mm -hmm. which was a documentary series, I think 
National Geographic. Okay. Okay. Uh, showcasing the real life trials and tribulations of wild animals. Okay. Which actually Disney is still making a lot of these today. Oh, if yeah. you look them up, like all of the the those kinds of documentaries, like mm-hmm. not all of them, but a lot of them are still made by Disney. Nice. So in particular, Walt wanted to replicate um, an episode of this entitled The African Lion. Okay. Which as you can guess, focused on the survival of the fittest. Um kind of that that reality of the African landscape where the lion is the king of the jungle. Okay. He admired the beautiful, vast backdrops of Kenya and what is now Tanzania and wanted to recreate those jungles for this ride. Walt brought the idea to Imagineer Harper Goff, uh, who took it a step further by using the popular movie of the time, The African Queen, starring Catherine Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So this is what helped build kind of the story and look of the ride. Uh, the African Queen takes place primarily on a riverboat through a dense tropical forest-lined river in Africa, and the main characters are up against the elements and wildlife. Walt was pretty adamant that the ride needed to have real animals, but Imagineers... <laughs> yes. Walt, man. Come on, dude. This is a big deal. I feel like Walt's motto in life is go big or go home. Yeah. Uh, the problem, in my opinion, the problem I see with Walt is that <laughs> when he goes someplace and sees it, he doesn't think... I want that, but in I want it in real life for L.A. So like with the Matterhorn, I want snow. Yeah. Get me snow. Right. And it doesn't work that way. Exactly. <laughs> but somehow he tends to get what he wants. Right. Um, One so, way or another. Right. So he really wanted real animals. Um, Imagineers argued that the real animals would prove problematic um, <laughs> because, well, they don't keep a schedule that... And he wanted to create a fun experience for each rider. Mm-hmm. Live animals um, don't keep to a human schedule. Right. They eat, sleep, and play on their own time. Right. And many of the animals that Walt preferred were nocturnal by nature. So they probably weren't going to be awake even Stop like it. at all during Disneyland's operating hours. Right. It's like every time you go to the zoo and you're like, the lot? Oh, they're all asleep. Right. And exactly. Well, I'm also them. saying that if you have real animals running around there, you better not have a cap gun on that boat. I want you to have a exactly. real gun just <laughs> or, in case. Or like a, or like a <laughs> fence or something. Something not right. a dinky little boat. <laughs> and now you're yeah. in a zoo again. Like, it's not, it doesn't, exactly. it's not Disney. Well, and then to make matters even more complicated, due to the openness of the ride itself, there was no guarantee that the animals were going to stay in their designated areas, right. providing not only a potentially unsafe environment for the guests, but also potentially a cultural disruptions between the various species. Between the animals, right? Like, yeah. There's like, really a zebra getting eaten over yeah, there. I was just thinking that. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, that scene could have been a lot more smelly. And, uh-huh. and, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry not to interrupt you again. But no, that's fine. Again. But the other thing I was thinking about is doesn't part of the Jungle Cruise like back up against Main Street? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it would be like a Jumanji kind of, kind of a thing going on. not a good idea. Because like, that's the other thing. Like, Can you imagine like a wild animal just getting loose? Like that... You know, it would would happen. That that would. It would have happened. So Walt eventually backed down, but he wanted the next best thing. He wanted animatronic animals. Uh, This posed new challenges for the Imagineers, and they tried to fight back again, claiming that animatronic creatures would pose a variety of problems. Uh, The biggest being that, one, there was no way to hide the electronics needed to make them move. Not to mention, electronics and water do not mix. And two, the animals would subsequently look lifeless and unrealistic. 
not surprisingly, Walt stood his ground and told the Imagineers that Hollywood makes these kinds of things work all the time and that if they could make a giant squid, which they did for his uh, movie 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, look real, then crocodiles, elephants, and monkeys should be easy for them. So, Walt had him. Imagineers started working on blueprints for the ride that included cleverly placed animatronic animals so that the electronics could be hidden from the guests on the boat. So the ride itself, this is meant to take you through a conglomeration of the Amazon, Congo, Nile, and Mekong rivers on a cruise steamboat. That's the general idea here. Okay. Um, Originally, Imagineers designed the ride to be a true cruise where the captains would have full control of the boat. But they quickly realized that scheduling arrival and departure times would pose a daily challenge, not to mention the potential traffic problems that could arise by allowing the the captains to control the speed. Mm -hmm. So the solution was to put the boats on rails, but that would mean that they also needed to color the water in order to hide those rails. Ah, interesting. So the coloring of this water was originally a murky brown. And had I love that show. Yummy. Sure wasn't real <laughs> Murky Brown. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just got that. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they're bringing it back. This had an unexpected side effect, actually, and it mm-hmm. coated the animals in a sort of sludge that eventually oh. broke down the gears and the animatronics. This, this was fixed with regular maintenance, but was still a huge annoyance to the Imagineers and, I imagine, the maintenance people. Yeah. Later, of course, the water color was changed to a bluish green, and that's what it remains today. So don't worry. The waterways at Disneyland are intentionally that color. It's not just some <laughs> weird mutant toxic thing. All right. Which actually I used to think. like I was kind of like... Don't touch! Don't you let just, it get on you. You don't really know. You're kind of like, huh? I still feel that way, even like when it kind of splashes on you, like when you're yeah, next you're to like, the piranha or whatever. Like oh, I'm gonna melt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Swamping. <laughs> gonna be swamping. So, since we're on the subject of water, um, I think it's good to note that the water in the Jungle Cruise River is between four and five feet deep in most areas, mm-hmm. and it's part of the park's dark water system, which actually circulates southward from the rivers of America through Fantasyland, and that. That includes the moat around Sleeping Beauty's castle. And then it flows past Frontierland and into Adventureland, where it continues alongside the Tiki Room before entering the Jungle Cruise. And it enters it near the ride's exit. That's So it's all connected. Oh, sorry. And then it finally returns back to the Rivers of America via a 37-inch diameter underground pipe near Tarzan's treehouse. So it's not part of Pirates? I was going to say, say? Pi- well, Pirates is right there. No. Yeah. Okay. No, Interesting. Separate from Pirates. Okay. So if you ever dumped a loved one's ashes in Rivers of America, Grandma going everywhere. <laughs> She's seeing the whole part. Of- <laughs> yeah. Basically. I'm on a tour. Enjoy, Backstage. Mom. <laughs> you went, I mean, nothing. Nothing happened. You didn't do anything. Secret show. Go on. So there are currently 12 working boats. Mm-hmm. However, only eight will ever be in operation at uh, one time. That's why that ride's line is 100 million years long. Yes. Well, you can't have all 12 boats out there bumping into each other. Just the train. <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, when the ride originally opened in 1955, the boats were pristine cruisers. 
They were clean and sparkly. In 1993, however, they were redesigned to look more rugged and aged, showing the wear and tear of an actual watercraft. Uh, this was primarily done to match the aesthetic of the anticipated new Indiana Jones ride nice. and queue that would open mm. a couple years later. That makes sense. To kind of merge yep. those two timelines even yeah. I would imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly right there. Yeah, all right. close, yeah. for the same reason in 1994 the river itself was actually shortened and the queue was rethemed also to match the style of Indy I like it a little cohesion there I think this is important I'm going to go down the list of the names of each boat because I think that they're kind of cool so they all take their names from various rivers across the world Okay. so we have the Amazon Bell the Congo Queen the Ganges Gal the Hondo Haiti Irrawaddy Woman. That one's my favorite. Uh, Kissimmee Kate. It was a door song. <laughs> Irrawaddy Woman. You don't have enough <laughs> reverb. <laughs> uh, the Nile Princess. Nice. The Orinoco Adventures. Uh, Adventurous. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. The Suwannee Lady. The Yangtze Lotus. And the Zambezi Miss. Okay. Maybe that wasn't all 12. I don't know. I'm not going to count right now. Anyway, finally, in 1997, all of the boats were replaced with longer models to help increase the capacity of the ride. So the landscape of the ride is about as important as both the boats and the animals. Um, Walt immediately turned to gardener for the stars, Bill Evans, who landscaped (laughs) not only... I feel like Bill gave himself that title. (laughs) Probably. Um, He landscaped not only Walt's uh, Holmby Hills estate and was very well known in Hollywood for his ability to make the impossible possible, but he also landscaped all of Disneyland. He was the guy. Okay. But this was um, probably, I would guess, haven't talked to the guy, but I would guess that this was his most challenging portion of the park. I would imagine, yeah. (sighs) So... His first challenge was to bring a dense tropical jungle to Southern California and to do it fast. Mm. Uh, The time between Disneyland's groundbreaking and opening day is just about one year. And as you can imagine, you can't grow an entire jungle in that short timeline. Uh, Evans, however, was very resourceful. He collected many of the palm trees from Hollywood sets that were going to be thrown out. He also famously repurposed the orange trees that had previously resided on the land where Disneyland was built. He turned them upside down and planted them topside down to create the look of jungle branches with tangled roots. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Also, since Southern California is more of a desert than tropical land... <laughs> What? He couldn't use all tropical plants. It just wasn't going to be possible. Right. So if you actually look closely while you ride the ride, you'll notice that a lot of the plants really are not tropical at all. They're just dark green plants. Mm-hmm. And he Makes sense. Yeah. And he skillfully kind of mixed the tropical with the non-tropical just to create this sort of dense look. Never notice it. <laughs> Never. No, because I feel like the only ones that like really stick out are like the banana, like... Yeah, so the exactly. Yeah. The leaves, like those are the ones that you remember, and like the giant birds of paradise. Right. Yes. Exactly. Those and then super. And old. then there's just it's just bushy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He did his job. So one last challenge that Evans was tasked with was to incorporate the now 122 year old Dominguez palm tree. This tree belonged to the family that had lived on Disneyland's land before Walt purchased it, and they requested in the sale that Walt save and use that particular tree. Uh, so Evans actually moved it, moved the 15-ton tree from the proposed parking lot, where mm-hmm. the parking lot was going to be, to Adventureland. And it's still there, and it resides just outside of the Jungle Cruise to the right of the entrance of the uh, Fast Pass distribution. 
Very cool. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to look up enormous. to figure out which one it is. And it's like, it has an enormous trunk. Like, oh, sure. we've all probably seen it and touched it and, and just never knew. And you never. No Wait, so where, where is it again? It is. It's, it's basically in between the Fast Pass distribution entrance and Indy's entrance. Oh, I know what tree that is. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. So now we've got the animals, the boat, and the landscaping. But what about a story? When the ride first opened in 1955, it was a very ser- it was very serious in nature. Um, while the captains cruised you through the jungle, they pointed out the perils and the danger that existed all around. There were no jokes, as Walt's vision was for the rider to experience a real life version of his documentary True Life Adventures. Can I say that sounds like garbage? Because it sounds like garbage. <laughs> okay. it, it may have been okay. Tropical um, garbage. But yes. yeah, I mean, it, basically, he wanted you to live. National Geographic, okay. you know, or but his version of it, of course. In 1961, the ride had become very problematic. The animatronics broke down so often, oh probably due to that colored water, <laughs> probably that Walt would joke that the only way he knows that they actually work is because he saw them on television. Wow. I have a hard huh. time believing that he actually said that, but... Where, where I read it, it said he said it to a reporter. I couldn't actually find that, but it doesn't sound like was something it off he would the record? say. Because it sounds like <laughs> it would be off the record. It totally comment. does. Okay. But anyway, so it didn't work well. The ride, of course, was no longer meeting Walt's standards. Plus, as the story goes, he overheard a child in the park asking his mother to go on Jungle Cruise. And the mother replied, no, we've already been on that. Walt realized that the ride needed to change. It needed to be different each time so that people would have a reason to ride it multiple times. And I will say at this point... <laughs> it doesn't sound like the Jungle Cruise I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, yeah. of water, I know. Are we done yet? <laughs> Can we leave him? I love that ride, man. Enter creative genius Mark Davis. As was uh, Davis's aesthetic, he brought a comical approach to this revamp. Okay. So he's the guy that, you know, he did uh, Haunted Mansion. So mm-hmm. he's got kind of this this more silly side to him. Yeah. And so he was actually responsible for the sleeping zebra, the elephant nice. bathing pool, and most notably the four men on the totem pole avoiding the giant horned rhinoceros. Nice. Plus the many gags, th- many other gags throughout the ride. Most notably, though, you can thank him for the witty, satirical, sometimes improv narration that we have all come to know. No. And most love. Most. <laughs> uh, Except those who are r- correct right. know that it's yeah, sure. just old. This is what I find funny. <laughs> you know how we get really annoyed? Well, no, I'll say I do. Lightly annoyed. No, oh. no, no. Um, when Disney makes changes, like yeah. To the redhead, to making Space Mountain hellish during Halloween. Yeah. Ghost Galaxy. I'm right. so scared. Right. So we're not originals. That is not a modern day perspective. No. Disneyland fans at this time were not happy with uh, this new funny tone to the ride. No. Oh, I can. I, 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 yeah, for sure. I mean, I imagine there are people who are mad that the big dirt hill on opening day was gone yeah. i like the dirt hill <laughs> yeah, right so guests revolted against these changes to one of the park's most popular ticket uh ticket sellers but how did they do that because there was no change.org to make a petition on <laughs> right i think they just didn't buy tickets to it for a while but walt disney was confident that disneyland needed to keep changing uh so as to keep everything fresh he was redefining expectations by keeping things fluid, and this was really the first iteration of the idea that Disneyland is never finished. 
And another thing that I realized uh, when I came across this little tidbit was that a lot of the rides have at least something that is going to be different every time you go on it. Right. Um, Haunted Mansion. You leave with a different hitchhiking ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, you didn't even hear the redhead say like you didn't hear we wants the redhead for a long time. Yeah, no, no. until somebody pointed it out, right? Well, until uh, yeah, and then and then from that point on, we hadn't sat in the front. I swear, if you sit in the front, which is what we normally do, you can't hear it. Yeah, you can't hear it. Well, and then and then indie, you get a different storyline. Star Tours, you get a different storyline. Like, yeah. just yeah. you can really see this in a lot of the rides. Autopia, that... you get different levels of black lung. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but anyway, those I, I I think that this ride, the I think the Jungle Cruise really started that process of like hmm. understanding that take. people yeah. don't want to ride this uh, the same ride over and over again unless mm-hmm. they see something different. The Tiki mm-hmm. Room, you get. Oh wait! <laughs> yeah, Plus, Space like, Mountain. You uh, no, but you do get different in the Tiki Room with the person who hosts. For I, yeah, you. yeah. yeah but and honestly, how many that's times like, have you gone on a ride that you've been on a million times and you go, "They must have changed that." Yeah, and I don't know if they really did or not, or if mm-hmm. it's my memory or not. But like, you're thinking that mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. you're that's true. It's really ingrained in our brains that things change at Disneyland all the time, yeah. mm-hmm. and so we're kind of looking for those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that all started with the Jungle Cruise. So. Um, after these changes and the changes uh, to make the ma- the ride match Indy in 1994, there really hasn't been any major changes to the ride except for um, in 2005 when Schweitzer Falls was completely replaced and they added the piranhas uh, and made some updates uh, to the safari jeep scene, including uh, the exploding gasoline drums okay. and that kind of that scene with right. the monkeys. Finally, I wanted to end by sharing my favorite thing that I found out while researching this topic. Okay. Um, okay. I'm excited to hear what this is. So in the two- gorillas are real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turns out. Uh, no, in 2010, the man-made jungle was officially declared real. And complete with its own ecosystem. Due to the 100-foot plant ceilings, the humidity within this jungle actually allows for native tropical plants to now grow on their own. Oh, wow. It's the only place in the park where agriculture crews really only maintain the land by trimming plants to make sure they don't interfere with the animatronics. In fact, they usually actually leave the clippings and the fallen leaves on the ground to allow the nutrients to naturally return back to the soil. Nice. It is its own ecosystem. That's really cool. It's crazy. And that's the Jungle Cruise. Awesome. Well played. Good job, Taryn. Thank you. Do you want to ride it now? No, I've I've ridden it before. I'm okay with no. I'm okay with not riding it. We need to make sure we take a trip with Jeremy, and I want you to sit right next to him oh, and not yes. next to me, and ah, we will. Right Petros, in the, did I, you hear that one, Petros? <laughs> right? Get that zinger! Hey, say the zinger again for Petros. Right in the front, right next to the skipper. I do, every time right. I try to get there, and I crack up every with every joke. You can't. Just, why? Someone, some yeah, but some I'm trying to get people into it, but I find it funny. Terrence taking the world on his shoulders. Come on, one, guys! One ride on the Jungle Cruise at a time. I'm trying, man. He's running for state senator soon. <laughs> I did look up some pictures of the the murky brown water. Oh yeah, that's nasty. That's murky. Murk, murk. Murky brown water. No, murk, that's murk, not good, murk, dude. Murk, murk. <laughs> You're welcome. Your water's murk, 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 murk. God, that's crazy news. Okay, we're gonna get out of here, everybody. No fact of the show today. I just kind of ran out of time, dude. Sorry, guys. But 
I want to thank GetawayToday.com for sponsoring today's episode. Whether you're traveling to Disneyland, Disney World, or beyond, head over to GetawayToday.com slash ears up and save big. All right, Jeremy, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Terrence and Bev, and Taryn, I suppose. Thank you very much. And uh, until next time, y'all, we'll see you in the parks.